0: a series from the Book of Second Peter tonight and I'm talking to you about the day of the Lord. We started last week with this message and tonight I'd like to wrap up this part of the message before we move ahead and do our closing thoughts on the book of Second Peter. But before I do, let me just ask you to be praying with a couple of families tonight. I've uh, got a f- we have a family here in the church that's lost their brother and uh, of course a father, a son in our congregation. And then there's another family today that I've been praying with and uh, counseling with that uh, their loved one was taken off of life support today and just a very, very, just a, a dark time for this whole family that's going through. But thankfully, and I just <clears throat> I, I just want to share this with you, those of you especially that have been sharing our daily prayer updates and sharing the services online that we're doing at Facebook and YouTube. Um This particular man had been watching our services faithfully. He'd been watching our daily prayer updates faithfully as well. And we've actually had several conversations together. And so I just want to say thank you for having shared this. And we've been reaching out to people we don't even know yet and sharing the gospel with them. And so I am so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that in God's sovereignty, and it just fits right in with this message that I'm going to be preaching tonight, that we have seen someone who has come to know Jesus because of being able to share the good news over this venue that we're doing. So join me in prayer tonight, and let's just agree together. Father, we love you. We thank you that in all things you have made us more than conquerors. We thank you for those this evening that have, Lord, seen their lost loved ones take their last breath. God, those that have died in Christ, Lord, they are more alive tonight than they've ever been before. And I pray that you would comfort us for this thought. Lord, for those this evening that we're praying for, Lord Jesus, that have been listening and somehow or another that you have just worked faith in their heart and they've come to know you and trust you as their Lord and Savior. God, that peace that it gives us, that they too are ready for heaven. And so I ask now that as we study your word tonight, that this will make us as believers more passionate than ever before about sharing our faith. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, let's look at our Bibles tonight, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Aren't you glad that God was patient with you? I know, I sure am that he was glad with me. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth He has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that you are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, Our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. You know, the first thing that I see here tonight that I'd like to share with you is God is in control. And I know sometimes it looks like our world is out of control. I know sometimes it may even look like nature is out of control. For the last, oh, I guess 20 years, I have followed the... Uh, it's been called Climate Change and Global Warming. I remember as a child, we were thought we were headed towards another ice age. And I remember going to a planetarium and the astronomer and the presentation they were making in the planetarium tell us that there was another ice age coming and everything was going to freeze. And they did this dramatic dimming of the lights and the snow and the cold and the ice going all the way down to the equator and things slowly dying. And I was petrified as a child watching that. But the comfort that I had from my mom and my dad who loved the Lord and loved their Bibles was God's got everything under control. This world is on God's timetable. And so it really prepared me when all the news came out for the global warming or the climate change as people call it. And I'm not discounting any of that. I'm just simply saying that tonight you need to remember God is in control. The Bible tells us you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Don't ever forget that God is in control. This whole world holds together by the will of God. You can't get away from God. You can't get away from God's perspective. You can't get away from the fact that That without God's word, there would not be this world to begin with. Without God having spoken, you wouldn't have this world to begin with. Peter says in this chapter, if you read the whole chapter, how that the word of God called the land up out of the waters, how that the word of God, you know, was spoken and all the creation and galaxies were put into place. The word of God. There was a gigantic flood, a universal flood that covered the earth (coughs) in God's judgment and Friends, it's by the Word of God that this world is being held together. And let me remind you of something here as well. And that is that the Word of God that we have in our hands to read, our Bibles to read, is God's living Word to us. But never forget, Jesus is the living Word of God. And the Bible says, through Him and by Him are all things held together. So God is in control. And I think it's also important to look at God is in control of time. His timetable, everything is working on God's timetable. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. God is sovereign over time. And the reason I put that in your outline tonight, if you're following along on the outline, either on the website or on the church app, is Peter is actually quoting from Psalms chapter 90 and verse 4. Look at this. For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, and as brief as a brief as a few night hours. You see, faith in God will give you an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective is a perspective that is it's it's limitless. You just you know you have this eternal perspective on time. God is not limited, God is not limited what he's going to do in his timetable, but if you're one of those who are scoffing like we looked at last week from the scriptures in the first part of this chapter, you see, scoffers live and they have a perishing perspective on time. People are always saying how that the world is, is just going to end one day, whether it was with an ice age or whether it was climate change. and. Occasionally, I know you've seen them as well, people will put things on about how there's going to be a a nuclear war, and it's very fascinating, fascinating when people talk about the fiery holocaust of a nuclear war, the imagery that Paul uses when he talks about the renewing and the refurbishing of the heavens and the earth, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but what I want you to see is when you have faith in God, you have an eternal perspective. That means that you have a limitless perspective. If you are a scoffer, you have a perishing perspective, which means you have a limited perspective. So you can either live with abundance or you can live with scarcity. You can live with eternity or you can live thinking that this world is doomed to, to fail and nothing good is ever going to happen. But if your faith is in God, you know that God is in control and God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and he makes all things work out for his glory. And by the way, while I'm thinking about that, this coming Sunday morning, Pastor Corey is going to be preaching about living for the glory of God from our passage that we're looking at in the book of Ephesians. And I hope that you're going to make plans to join us either for our 10 o'clock service or our 1130 service here on campus or on line one. So the question is, why does God give us this time? Why is God being patient? Well, let's look at that. God gives us time so we can watch we can work and pray, so that we can watch and work and pray. Now, I inserted that little word, work, in there because it's just kind of obvious from the context of what Peter is writing to the early church, and it's obvious from the teachings of Jesus and the, and the prophets in the Bible. It's obvious that while we're here, we're to occupy, we're to work, we're to seek first the kingdom of God, but we're to keep our eyes open. We're to be aware of what's going on in our world. I asked my wife yesterday to read a cover story from the business section of the New York Times on Sunday morning. And it was one of the most pagan articles that I had read in the New York Times in a while as it discussed and praised businesses that are bringing in All kinds of of pagan concepts for spirituality into their businesses. Friends, let me just point out something tonight. We were created as spiritual beings. If we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ, if we back down from the scoffers, if we back down from the enemies of the cross, if we back down from those that want us to be silent about preaching and teaching the Bible, that void is going to be filled. Filled by people trying to meet the spiritual needs, whether it's through an Eastern religion, whether it's through paganism or the occult. Human beings are going to seek something to worship. It may even be themselves. So God gives us eyes and gives us minds so that we can watch, we can be aware of the culture that we're living in. And if we are informed about the culture that we're living in, if we know about what's going on, And we're not ranting and raving at the culture but instead we're loving lost people i never lack for people to listen to my perspective there are sometimes people disagree with me and that's okay but i never lack for people to listen because they know i care about them and i love them and the reason i do is because god loves them and how can you hate somebody that god loves How can you despise somebody that God loves? You may hate what they do. You may despise what they do. But we don't hate them. We pray for them. We're aware of what's going on in the culture. And the key thing is, Jesus says, and pray. You want to pray because Prayer can accomplish that that is impossible with our mental faculties. Prayer can accomplish that that's impossible with our technological faculties. Prayer can accomplish that that's impossible with our physical abilities. If we will call upon the name of the Lord, God says in his book, he says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will show you great and mighty things. Let's always be a church of prayer. Let's always be a congregation that is seeking the face of the Lord. Look at this passage from Luke 21 tonight. Be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day, the day of the Lord, that day is going to take you by complete surprise, springing on you suddenly like a trap. For it's going to come on everyone, everywhere at once. Now, this is important. Notice this. The day of the Lord will come. It will happen. It will spring on everyone, everywhere, like a trap at once. So, whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. There's somebody sitting behind the switchboards and the sound systems right now. And the worst thing that could happen is if they went to sleep this evening. We've seen. Passenger trains that have derailed because somebody went to sleep. They were too busy or too tired. They haven't rested well. We've seen pilots that have fallen asleep and, 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 and lost their situational awareness. A friend of mine who was a fighter pilot was sharing with me years ago about a friend of his who lost his situational awareness and just drove his plane right into the ground, of A fighter jet, and this guy was a highly skilled, highly trained Air Force pilot, somebody confident in life, someone with everything going for them, and a wonderful family, but when he lost his situational awareness, or as the pilots say, the SA, he drove that plane right into the ground. So God is saying, let's don't get dull, let's don't get sleepy, let's don't let the culture lull us to sleep. But pray constantly. Do you see that in your your verse of Scripture tonight? Pray constantly. Look at what it says. That you and me, we will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. Friends, I plan on going out of this world. I plan on going out of this life. I tell this congregation here a lot of times, I'm going to swing across hell on a rotten cornstalk and spit the devil in the eye and say, come on, victory. And I want to be able to say to the Father, if you give me one more chance, I would have smacked him one more time with your word. So let's be people who watch, work, and pray. The second thing that I see from this very passage of Scripture tonight is God is merciful and God is patient. God is merciful and God is patient. You know, I don't understand the mercy of God. I'll just be honest with you. I've just said a lot of truth when I said we don't hate anybody. But I'm telling you, the only reason I'm not able to hate anybody is because of the difference Jesus made in my heart. The only reason you're not able to hate anybody is because of the difference that Jesus made in your heart. We used to sing a song years and years ago called Jesus Made a Difference in Me. Once my life was blind by sin, but now, thank God, I'm free. Jesus made a difference. And when Jesus made that difference in my life, then God helped me to be able to be merciful in ways that He is merciful. You say, what is mercy, Pastor? Mercy is when God doesn't give me what I deserve. If I got what I deserved, friends, I'd bust hell wide open. If I got what I deserved, I'd never be able to take care of my wife and my children. If I got what I deserved, friends, I couldn't live on what I deserve. That's not the point. I need the mercy of God, and so do you. And thank God he is patient. Sometimes people will say to me, why do you think God puts up with that man? Why does God put up with these people? Why does God put up with this tribe or this nation? And it's because God is patient. Look at this, look at this verse of Scripture from verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. no. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Now, let me back up, and I try to stay right with the text, but let me back up for just a moment. Peter is, we saw this in the first epistle, Peter is addressing people, and just like Paul did, there were some Christians that they were beginning to be concerned Jesus hadn't returned yet. I mean, it's obvious from reading Paul's letters that they expected the return of Jesus to be soon. In our statement of faith, we have a word called imminent, the imminent return of the Lord, the imminent appearing of the Lord. Imminent means that it could happen at any moment, and it could happen tonight before I finish this message. It could happen before I wake up in the morning. That's what the word imminent means at any moment. There's, there's no prophecies left to be fulfilled. There's nothing holding Christ back from returning. And so there were Christians that they were worried. They, th- there were some of them that they were worried that those that had died, and Peter addressed this in the first epistle, and Paul addresses this several times, they were worried that those who had died in faith somehow or another were going to miss out on the return of the Lord. Paul writes that wonderful passage when he tells them, he says, listen, beloved, you know, those that are asleep, they're with the Lord. And when the trumpet sounds... And that trumpet is not going to be like a brass bugle. It's not going to be like a brass trumpet. I've got a feeling it's going to sound like that old Hebrew shofar, you know? I I was in a church a couple of years ago and at the conclusion of the service there was a jewish uh, rabbi that was speaking at this wonderful church that we were worshiping at that morning and when he got done speaking that sunday morning he took a, a shofar and he lifted it up and he began to blow it and it was kind of da 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 you know it's just two notes that he could get out of it but for the jewish people the blowing of that shofar meant something and I sometimes wonder if that's not the trumpet we're going to hear, that same trumpet sound. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back with those that have died in faith. And then when we which are alive and remain, we shall be caught up in the air to meet them forevermore. I want to say this tonight, and maybe this the reason this is so real to me, is I've got a good friend, someone that I care about on life support tonight. There's families in this church that are grieving the death of lost loved ones. Friends, our family members, our friends, our neighbors who died in Jesus, they can say with D.L. Moody, someday you're going to read that D.L. Moody is dead, but don't you believe it, for at that moment, D.L. Moody will be more alive than he's ever been before. And beloved, I want you to know, whether it's my dad, my father-in-law, my grandparents, whether it's the young man who died this week from our church, I say young man, he's in his 60s who, who died, I want you to know they're alive in Christ tonight. So you say, what's holding Jesus back? It's simple. It's because he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Now, There are some people that will read this verse of Scripture and say, aha, there it is right there because God doesn't want anyone to perish. That's universalism. Everybody's going to be saved. That's not what this passage of Scripture is saying. And if somebody gets up in your small group or somebody tries to say that, why don't you just ask them to go start the coffee, okay? Because they're obviously, they don't know their Bibles. They haven't listened to what Jesus said. They haven't read the Bible carefully, but they're looking for something Because they want to escape that awful, awful reality of hell. They want to escape that awful reality that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So just ask them to go fix the coffee, especially if they're not willing to listen. And occasionally I run into people like that and they're not willing to listen. Because if God's not going to do it that way, then they want nothing to do with God at all. But friends, what you're seeing here is that God wants all men to be saved. God made a way for all men and women and children to be saved. But God would not be the great God of love He is if He took away our free will. You and I still have the ability to either accept or reject the offer of forgiveness of our sins in Christ. I've had people tell me, I am not a sinner. I don't need my sins forgiven. And they're living in denial And only the gospel can touch their hearts and you just you keep loving them you don't argue with them you share the Word of God with them but you watch you want to know what's going on around their lives you continue to be involved in their life it's called gospel work you're working with them and you continue to pray you pray with your understanding and you pray with your spirit you seek the face of God for them saying Lord Remove the blinders from their eyes. God, soften their heart because the words you're sowing into them will go to work. I have many friends now that they used to be the scoffers. They used to be the ones that laughed and mocked. And now they have given their hearts to Christ and they're passionate followers of Jesus. Well, I need to keep moving here. Third thing I want you to see tonight is God keeps his promise. God keeps his promise. Hallelujah. Every promise in the book, God keeps. I've got my iPhone right here beside me tonight, and on my iPhone is, is my Bible, and I read my Bible all through the day, but I have a real fun habit of just highlighting the promises and praying that promise that day. A lot of times, a promise comes with a condition. Let me say that again. A lot of times in the Bible, a promise comes with a condition. For instance, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sins, and then will I heal their land. Here's another one. God tells us to to prove him in this, to bring the full tithe, bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. That's the local church. And see if God will not then rebuke the devourer from your finances and cause you to prosper And God will will do more for you with your bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord than you would do by being selfish and keeping it all to yourself. Those are conditional promises. And the Bible is full of promises like that. The Bible is full of promises about healing. But sometimes there are some conditions attached to those promises. Well, the thing I want you to get is sometimes people will say God doesn't keep his promise. And so I'll ask them, I'll say, what promise did God not keep to you? And so they will tell me, and I'll say, did you keep the condition? And they go, what condition? I said, it's important to read the small print, right? You know, before you sign a contract, it's important to read it. And so let's just take another conditional promise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in all of his righteousness and all these other things. Jesus was talking about clothing and food and shelter. Jesus says, all these other things will be provided for you. And into the Jewish thought Providing a home for you, that was providing a wife or children for you, or a husband if you're a woman. You know, he said all these things were provided, but what's the condition? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of God's righteousness. There's the condition. And I can testify to you tonight God has been more than faithful. I often tell people if I die tonight, if I take my last breath tonight, you remember what D.L. Moody said I'm more alive now than I've ever been before. But God has been so good, he has done more for me than I could ever dream or think to begin to tell you this evening. He's a wonderful father. God keeps his promise. But now let's look at a promise that sometimes we don't like to think about. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now notice that, to deserve judgment. You see, beloved, one day, history as we know it is going to wrap up. One day, there is going to be this awesome, fearsome day of the Lord. This evening, just before church, I mowed my lawn. I had to get the grass cut. I was hoping to get it done yesterday, and Something came up between here and the house, and so I ended up getting my lawn mowed this evening and getting things taken care of there. But while I was walking and praying and praying over the service tonight, that thought kept coming to me. Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's something in my heart, there's something in my soul that keeps telling me we're getting closer and closer to the day of the return of the Lord. Lord. We have never lived in a time in history like this, and I want you to hear me tonight. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I've tried to just be thoughtful and prayerful about how to share this with you tonight. We've never lived in a time like this. There have been plagues. There have been pestilences. There has been terror. But tonight, friends, we are seeing so many things happen globally and universally at one time in our world. The history of America right now is being written in ways and shameful ways to even think about it this moment with with the, the, the sexual trafficking, the addictions, the the profiteering, when we look at the, the racial turmoil that is still going on in our nation, when we look at people who are openly blaspheming the name of the Lord. Where we look at people now that are trying to say that Christianity is the enemy of black people, I just read several articles on that. Friends, Jesus was not a white man. And I said this yesterday, I think, in in one of our, our prayer updates that we did. You know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven as a white man. If you're black, you're going to heaven as a black man. God thinks you're wonderful whether you're black or Asian or Hispanic or what, God created us, we all matter to God. But when sin gets in there, there are white supremacists, there are black supremacists, there are oriental people who think that their their tribe of people is better. No one tribe is better than the other. And so what we have to focus on tonight is not getting caught up in the politics of our nation, or the politics of this global pandemic, We have to watch, we have to work, we have to pray for the day of the Lord is coming and it will come suddenly and it will spring like a trap on everyone. And you and I, if we want to be ready, we want to be watching, we want to be working, we want to be praying. You see, there's a conditional promise. Jesus told a wonderful story about 10 virgins. Do you remember that? Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. And when the bridegroom came and we're looking for the bridegroom. We're looking for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he's the bridegroom. And I gotta tell you, I just told you a few moments ago, I don't know what that trumpet's gonna sound like. It may be the shofar. But one thing I know, when the bridegroom came for the bride, she was to be ready. And the trumpet blew, and the bridegroom came, and he he gathered up his wife, and they began their family our lord and savior i believe is looking forward to coming back for his church i remember well when i married my wife i couldn't wait for the day it seemed like the days were dragging by every single day and i could not wait for that day to claim rebecca stewart as my bride and her become rebecca clanton i couldn't wait for the wedding to be over and to take off and for us to begin our lives together And I got to tell you, I think my joy in my marriage to Becky pales in comparison to the joy that Christ is looking for because every time we take communion, he says, I will not do this again until I take it with you in my Father's house. Friends, the bridegroom is coming, but there is a condition tonight. Are you watching? Are you working? Are you praying? I'm not saying you're saved by your watching, working, and praying, but I don't want that day to catch you unaware. You know, Mom... Dad, grandpa, grandma, there is no way when I read this passage of Scripture that I'm not going to be on my knees every single day praying for my children, my grandchildren, my neighbors, praying for our congregation that people who perhaps call Woodland Church their home, they're asleep at the switch tonight. They don't, they've lost their situational awareness. They, they've become so busy with the cares of this world that Jesus says it's choking the very life of the kingdom out of them. There is a promise, but there is a condition tonight. Watch, work, and pray. You don't want to lose your family. You don't want to lose your children. You don't want to lose your marriage. I've told my kids before, what will heaven be like if you're not there with me? And when my grandsons get old enough for me to be able to say that, and our new grandchild that Chris and Rachel are bringing into this world, I will tell them the same thing if God lets me live long enough. Papa doesn't want to go to heaven and not find you there. Let's watch, let's work, let's pray, let's be like those five wise virgins. So God calls us to four actions tonight as I bring this message to a close. Look at this with me, four actions. Since everything is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Circle that in your outline tonight or underline it in your app. Hurrying it along. How do we do that? We're going to talk about that. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. Now, before you go, that can't happen. Do you not remember Nagasaki and Hiroshima? Have you not seen what Krakatoa did? I watched a special National Geographic that the world's largest volcano, if I understand it correctly, is, is what we call Yellowstone National Park and what would happen to the entire globe if that super volcano was to erupt. What would happen if there was a nuclear holocaust? I'm not worried about any of those things. I don't think that's how God's going to do this but you can't have seared into your memories the pictures and the images we've seen of Hiroshima and Nagasaki or those who lived through that and can tell us about it you can't think about what we saw in history and what we've saw with volcanoes and not understand that there is a power in this earth that our nuclear arsenals do not begin to match in any way whatsoever which brings me back to the very first point. God is holding this all together. It's not global warming or ice ages. It's not, it's not volcanoes or nuclear power that I'm worried about tonight. The one who's holding this all together is God. And when the time comes, and he says it's time, then on that day, he, God, will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Now that can be interpreted as either the entire universe as we know it. It can be the world's systems. Either way, we've got to pay attention to this. But we, look at this, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Here are four actions I take from that passage of Scripture for you. Number one, be a passionate follower of Christ. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. Don't be a Sunday morning only Christian. Don't be a Christian who withholds your hand from doing good. Don't be a stingy Christian. Be an obedient, passionate follower of Christ. Be one that you have not only surrendered your heart to Christ, but you have followed Christ's commandments and you've been baptized in water. Be a passionate follower of Christ and become a local member of a local church, whether it's Woodland or some other local evangelical Bible-believing church. Be someone who is a person of prayer, a person of faithful stewardship with your time, your talent, and your treasures. Be someone that is studying the Word, word of God. Be someone that is sharing your faith and be someone that you've discovered your ministry in each and every day. You're seeking to serve God in your particular abilities or capabilities that God has given you. But be sure that everybody that you meet, this is what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ, that everybody that you meet knows that they matter to God and they matter to you. And we will meet them and accept them right where they're at. God will be the one that will make the difference in their life. God will be the one that will wash away their sins. God will be the one, and they will sing, Jesus made a difference in me once I was lost and bound in sin, but now thank God I'm free. Number two, be a contagious Christian. I mean, right now, I, I got my COVID test this week, and I'm COVID free. I'm so thankful that I'm not worried about giving COVID to anybody around me right now, but what I want you to know is, I want to be contagious for Jesus. I want you to get infected with a love for Jesus Christ and the love for the Word of God. The third thing tonight, be a praying Christian. Be an interceding Christian. Say to the Lord tonight, I want to learn to pray more than ever before. Join Becky and I for our Saturday evening prayer meetings at 6 o'clock. Right now we're praying online. But join us there and pray with us every Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. Join me if you can every day at 11 o'clock. We have the mid-morning prayer. And so join me for that. And then finally, be a peaceful Christian. Be a peaceful Christian. I get animated when I'm preaching sometimes. But I want you to know my heart is full of peace. I want you to know I have grief in my heart tonight because of some friends and people in our church that are hurting and suffering. I stood today in my driveway and wept with a family. Then a few minutes later, I wept with another family. But there is peace in my heart. And I'm praying for peace in their heart tonight. And beloved friend, you can have peace in your heart this evening. It's conditional. you first give your heart to Jesus Christ. If you'll give your heart to Jesus and cast all your cares upon him, you'll find out that he'll take care of you. So, friends, God is faithful to his promise. This day is coming. Don't be a scoffer. Don't be a doubter. And when the scoffers come, don't hate them. Don't argue with them. You continue to love Jesus. You continue to share the word because maybe, perhaps, like some of the former scoffers here at Woodland, they'll come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. Well, would you join me in prayer tonight? Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that I'm able to share it like this. I thank you for those that make it possible for us to be on Facebook and YouTube. and I thank you, Lord, for the new adventures that we're going to have with this media ministry and sharing with others. But I ask you tonight, God, would you speak to my friends who are watching this evening. Plant a hope in them for the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, before I go tonight, I want to leave you with one more thought. Or maybe you just want to take a pen or a pencil and just kind of jot this down. I've thought a lot about that trumpet. I've thought a lot about what the Word of God says about that trumpet sound. I have no idea what it's going to sound like. I told you I don't think it'll be a brass bugle. I don't think it'll be a brass trumpet, <clears throat> but it might be. But here's the point. I think it will say enough. Enough terror. Enough terror. Enough sickness, enough death, enough pain, enough poverty, enough sin. And then Jesus will wrap this thing up. And you can have eternity forever to join with Christ and to be with Christ. So once again, I encourage you, if you're a dad or a mom or a grandparent or you're a student in school, Be sure you're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone today. I love you so much. Thanks for joining me tonight. God bless you.